This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Thank you for listening to the podcast and allowing me to share these incredible stories. You can hear new stories every week on Amazon Music and ad-free for Amazon Prime members. I'm Benjamin Hall, and I'm searching for heroes. Well, our guest today is Amanda Boxtel, and Amanda... Well, and I have gone through, you know, life-changing injuries. And one of the reasons I think her story is so powerful is because that she mirrors in many ways my own recovery, the things she had to go through, the same things that I'm going through now. Some of the difficulties she faced are the same difficulties I'm currently facing. You know, Amanda is paralyzed. She had a freak skiing accident back in 1992, permanent spinal cord injury from the pelvis down. And it took her a long time to to be operational again, to be moving again in a wheelchair. But she didn't stop there. She then went on and became the first person in America to start using an eco-skeleton. And she was one of the first people to trial those. And then she set up this incredible group called Bridging Bionics that now helps countless people who have similar terrible paralysis and TBIs and brain injuries and helping them learn to walk, helping them to use eco-skeletons. And hearing her talk today is amazing because she talks about hope, community, hard work as well, and really what resilience is. And she talks about them in a way that, uh, that I connect with a lot. So I hope you enjoy today's story. It is both about Amanda and all the amazing people that she helps, but in some ways it's about my own journey as well. So I hope you enjoy this today. Um, And here it is. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. And one of the reasons is that I think we share, you know, quite a lot in common. Um, We both had these kind of physical injuries and we almost woke up one day and we realized that we had to get through them to get back to living, get back to, to the normal life. And that's why I'm so interested to talk to you about is about your journey, how you got through that. But again, now more importantly, how you're using that to help so many other people. And, and that to me is a real sign of, of heroism. So thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you. The pleasure is mine. And it's actually quite an honor. I'm very, very grateful. Oh, that's uh, too kind of you. Um, Amanda, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to go straight back to where this started. Um, and I wondered if you could just start off telling us about your own accident, about what happened to you um, uh, uh, that left you paralyzed. I was 24 years old. And, uh, you know, I always in my youth, I was an athlete, I was a dancer, I was the athletics captain of my school, a runner, um, a long jumper. I loved to twirl in space and feel a long skirt swish around my ankles and I felt invincible. And I think as children and in our youth, a lot of us, we we feel invincible. And that somehow stuck with me. Uh, you talk a lot about resilience. Um, I, My father died when I was 13. He committed suicide. And I think that was a part of my uh, strength and that 
feeling of um, just resiliency and and made makeup of just steel. Uh, it Gosh, was, can I say I, before we even get in then to to your uh, accident? How did, at the age of thirteen? Uh, and that obviously was a huge surprise to you. What were you thinking at that young age? How did you deal with that? How did you decide, how quickly did you decide to move forward or did that really uh, hinder you? You know, it's an interesting question and I've thought about it a lot in my adult years because I think it it really was a part of my makeup. And I think to help me somehow deal with adversity on a different level and in the physicality, uh, dealing with um, grief and suicide and loss uh, at such a young age, I had to somehow find a way to move forward and to navigate teenage years and sometimes cruelty from others at school and the... uh, just difficulty behind that and the um, confusion. and But I really, I, I do feel that I went on to become a leader in my school despite that. And for some reason, I just have that makeup within, within me to push through and to go th- into the fire and to come out on the other side. Well, that's true, because when you're 13, you just talked about cruelty at school. And first of all, I'm absolutely amazed at the idea that when something terrible happens to someone, there are people who will use that against them. I mean, it seems so cruel that people would do that. But you, you, that could have broken some people. But you turned around and you were saying earlier all the incredible things you did at school. So do you think that you were then born with the resilience? Because other people, particularly 13-year-olds, wouldn't have been able to do that. So... Did you have that in you or, or, or did you learn that at that age? I think life experience helps us learn. Um, I, I think we're all born pure and innocent and through our adversities and um, whatever happens to us, I didn't have, I, I had a, a little bit of a difficult childhood Uh there was some, um, I would say, emotional abuse there. And, uh, but I, my father always said, a box still always tries his hardest. And I think that I always pushed myself to do that um, and to be my best. And that, that, somehow became a part of me as I grew into my adult years. But I think the challenges and the adversities that I dealt with as a as a child set me up, I, I think, for um, dealing with harder things mm. in my life. And it's taken many years, Ben, for me to turn my wounds mental and physical into wisdom and for me to somehow remove my self-imposed limitations so that I could live a rich and full life 
and to really understand. In fact, it's taken me 32 years of paralysis for me to understand the power and the dance of acceptance and hope and that those two things must coexist Mm. And we can talk about that. And I can talk about my accident and and what happened and what brought yeah. me here today. But acceptance and hope. And I feel you 100%. Um, I had to come to terms with both of those two things after my accident. So I know what you exactly what you're saying. Accept it and know and hope that things will get better and fight for them to do so. Um, yes, let's talk, if we could, about your accident as well. Yes, so I was 24 years old and uh, I still had that feeling of being invincible and that I could do anything. <laughs> I went up uh, on the chairlift in Snowmass Village on a Snowmass Mountain and I had this weird premonition and this sensation that came over me that I had no business being on the mountain that day. I can't explain it to this day. I got off the chairlift and I was shaking. I was trembling. And two people tapped me on my shoulder and asked me if I was okay. And I looked at them and I said, yes, I'm fine, but I just need to get off the mountain. And in, in order to remain visible, I skied purposefully underneath the chairlift. And I stopped in the flats again. And I looked out at the view as though I was looking for the last time. I felt that I can, I remember it clearly. And then I took off again and I, I crossed my tips. I did a somersault. I landed on my back. An electric current shattered through my whole body. And it was as if someone turned off the light switch and there was nothing. I shattered four vertebrae in a split second, T10, 11, 12, and L1. And there was nothing. There was no movement or sensation below my pelvis. I was paralyzed. I was winded. All I could do was call. I called for help as if to signify the emergency of the situation, a man in a neon orange ski suit said that they had called for ski patrol. Ski patrol came and they um, uncrumpled my body, held my head and looked into my eyes. And they asked me what my name was, where I lived, how many fingers do you have up? I said, three. How many now? Four. And I can remember saying, I, I can't move my legs. I can't, I can't feel. I can't move my legs. No pain. No pain. Nothing. And they took me down on a, um, on a toboggan. And I was flown on a flight for life to St. Anthony's Hospital in Denver. And uh, it was a couple of weeks later that a young doctor, his face seemed younger than mine. He strode into my hospital room and he delivered the news. And he said, Amanda, you'll never walk again. And as if he said, uh, 
to shed light on the situation. He said, but you can still have children. It's like, who cares? You know, I, who cares? I, those words resounded in every cell of my body. And I became determined to prove him wrong, to prove the doctor, myself, God, wrong, that I was going to walk out of those hospital doors. And in 30, 32 years later, I'm still sitting, I'm sitting in front of you. And, but I can honestly say that I really love my life. And <laughs> I feel like having gone through it, that I'm, I'm a, a more beautiful woman. I think there's beauty in our brokenness. Mm. And through going, navigating trauma and adversity and peeling off those layers like an onion, I've exposed the raw beauty of myself. And it's been a, a journey of growth. We'll be back in a moment with Searching for Heroes. It's funny because I, you know, you tell this story. And you are emotional telling it, you know, you are crying while you tell it. And I suppose I was one of the things before we were speaking is I was thinking after, you know, decades, whether you come to terms and accept that or whether it continues to be painful every time you think about it. And I wonder, you've done amazing things, but do you still feel that pain? Do you, do you, do you feel lost? You've said that the mountain has robbed you. You've said that. Do you, do you still feel lost now, or do you think that it was part, it was destined to be this way? Both. I feel part of it is destined to be this way, but uh, loss of mobility is, it's grief. And um, when I talk about acceptance and hope and that dance, my acceptance, I've, it took me five years, and you're, I mean, you were injured on March 14th, 2022. And it's still very recent for you. And I wondered about that, about you and your mental process and your own dealings with adversity and overcoming. Uh, for me, I remember clearly, Ben, that it took me five years of to arrive at that place of acceptance. Mm. And that it's not that I lived in false hope, but it's like, I was so determined to walk again and to overcome that I wasn't allowing myself to really be here, be here right now, present in this moment. And I found that my acceptance, and it, it's, I, I still struggle with acceptance in that this is an injury that keeps on giving in the sense that it, it, it's still difficult and hard and in so many respects. But if I bring my acceptance back to right here, right now, hmm. that frees me to be hopeful for, the for what the next moment might bring. It's really important to have something to look forward to and to be hopeful for, but if it's right here, right now, then I can somehow wrap my mind around it and come to grips and to terms with it and to find joy in the moment and love and appreciation. Yeah. And my acceptance 
really comes back to gratitude and that's mm -hmm. great i'm grateful for all that i have yeah it's funny i think about my own recovery as well and i'm well aware that i'm i, I go through different chapters and I, i'm i'm still in an early chapter and mm -hmm. you know getting out of the hospital was one chapter then learning how to have my injuries in the real world i think is still the chapter i'm in sometimes still in the morning when you wake up and you don't quite realize haven't your mind hasn't realized the injuries and then you that moment where you suddenly remember it that's still a chapter i'm in right now too oh i boom all these things i know i'm gonna have to do today where for a split second in the morning I'm, i wasn't aware of them and so there's still sometimes this process of getting through things and, and i know there's some things i will have to do every single day that are hard, you know, to crawl around, to do things like that. And I'm still in that chapter of getting used to having to do those, that they don't become easy. They will never be easy, but they are slowly becoming a part of my routine. And, and at some, and I said, I've got a question for you. I wondered whether they're part of my routine, whether or not that routine just becomes totally normal or whether you constantly think, oh, I'm, crawling oh, i'm doing this again oh, i'm crawling i'm having to do something that i didn't have to do like, do, do, do you still feel that way yes i do and i'm 32 years into this and i'll still curse and there's such there's no other words in this world that <laughs> that are more significant than you know the f word or you know when i'm just like in the depths of it of the deepest abyss of adversity and struggle and it's like damn you know ugh, you know and it's um i dream still that i'm walking ben do you do you dream that you're what is whole? I mean, what is normal and what is whole? And we're in our new normals, right? But do you dream that your body is, that you have a right leg, that you have a left foot, that you have your vision? Do you dream that? No, no, just for the, for the first time, just a couple of weeks ago, I had my first dream where I was in my prosthetics and walking with my prosthetics. That just happened. Up until a couple of weeks ago, I was in my dreams, I was still walking with my legs, and it just happened that uh, I'm now in prosthetics in my in my dreams. So that was a big moment for me. I was like, "Wow!" I just just dreamt about you know being in prosthetics, and I felt it was quite a big moment for me. You know, I thought, "Oh, maybe the mind is now moving forward, and it's, it's accepted that in a way that hadn't before." So it's wow. fascinating. I mean, I still dream that I'm walking and that yeah. I'm running and that I'm dancing, and I'm leaping and I'm flying. And I wonder what that maybe you could but you get are. But, I mean, but, 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 but perhaps you are in throughout your life, you are still leaping and dancing and doing wonderful things. And I think that's what you got to focus on. You know, it's that's not physical. You can leap by helping other people. You can dance by being in wonderful surroundings, surrounded by amazing people. Like those are the great things that we have to enjoy. Exactly. And I think our physicality is just, I mean, our human spirit knows no limitation, right? And mm -hmm. so ultimately, that's what we are. And I feel and it's our physicality. I've just figured out how to navigate the world in a different way. I'm a yeah. better skier now than I ever was before. 
and I can walk, but I walk in a robot. How cool is that? And that we're in a era where, um, you know, technology and human ingenuity is really helping us propel and forward and live our best lives imaginable. And that you have a prosthetic, but the exoskeleton, I think, is the most complicated prosthetic ever imagined. And look what we can do and the potential. So, yeah, I'm grateful to be living in this day and age. And I want to get onto the exoskeleton a little bit, but I I also just want to ask then, also from a personal basis, um, you must, was there a point at which, you, you know, I go out and every single person watches you? And I don't mind that. It's fine, but, you know, you stand out. And I wonder if there was a point at which sometimes you think, I just wish I was more discreet. I just wish not everyone was watching all the time. Which, you know, sometimes you think you're just having a bad day and you're like, I just wish everyone wasn't watching right now. Do you you still get that? (laughs) Oh, yes. All the time. (laughs) All the time. And, you know, people, I feel like I've had to, um, in my journey, I've had to arrive at a place of, um, empowering others Mm. and coming from that place of leading from behind in the sense that I can be a a visual, a role model, a um, as much as I don't want to be and people want to help you. And in the first few years of my paralysis and living in a wheelchair, I was just so stubborn and um, I still am. I call it tenacious. It's a little nicer than stubborn, but that that's helped me endure, right, and to get on with life. But uh, I, I feel like um, having people help me, I, I push them away. And now it's like, yes, sure, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll, I'll take it. And at People often don't listen. They they want to, and they say no, 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 and they push you anyway. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, again a dance, a balance of dealing and and. But I often think of you know we have a lot of people in our program who have traumatic brain injuries or you know a disability that is often a hidden disability, a visual. Um, uh, loss, losing sight. Yeah. Um, you would know that. Uh, it's like so often people, if there's a, a hidden disability, it's even more challenging, I feel. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Rather than people just looking at you, then it's like, well, then if you've got a traumatic brain injury, or um, it's like people might think, well, what's wrong with you? When Mm-hmm. We all have our challenges, and it's all relative, and that's what I've learned. It's relative. It's like we just deal with it the best way we know how. Yeah, and you know, you um, you went on. I mean, many people are paralyzed. Terrible. Many people are paralyzed, but you were the first one to go out to get this bionic exoskeleton. So like, there was something else in you, you know that pushed you and that I, I really want to figure out why what gave you to the desire to go and do more to give back to help other people and that's become the reason you what you kind of live for is helping other people so 
Why are you different? Why did you have that push? I think it's through the graciousness of other people helping me yeah. and encouraging me and my community and giving back to me and the love and the support and the selflessness of others. Um, they're the heroes. My best friend is my biggest hero um, who's just truly selfless and humble will do anything to help and it's in serving others that I've discovered that's the true gift mm. it's the true gift to myself is through helping others and seeing them grow. Yeah. Tell us it's, a little bit about Bridging Bionics and tell us how that started, what it does. It's giving the gift of mobility to others. And Bridging Bionics was founded and born out of need. I needed to move my body. I need help moving my body. Uh, when we sit, we begin to die. We need to move and to stand up and it's up to me and nobody else. I have to find it within myself to move. And I've, if I just am at home, I'll spiral down into a, a downward depression and movement um, creates um, <laughs> these endorphins and it 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 creates hope and positivity and that's what i see in our athletes once an athlete always an athlete we're not patients um in our program we're not in a clinical environment and so we help anybody with a neurological condition to regain mobility to stand upright to walk again and to find that mobility within themselves so they too can be hopeful and we give the gift of two or three physical therapy sessions per week and access to cutting edge technologies that are only found in the top rehabilitation centers in the world. And here it is in our small community and it's all given freely or for next to nothing. And so that's what Bridging Barnix is. I, um, I was asked to be a test pilot for a company 13 years ago uh, originally, it was Berkeley Barnicks and they um, engineering geeks. There were only engineers, no clinical team, no physical therapists. They flew me out and asked me to uh, to demo and test pilot a bionic exoskeleton suit for National Geographic Television. I was given three days to master and perfect this, and I did it. What's it like? And, to, to, to talk, talk, talk to me about. If told me about first that first moment where you actually stood up and, and you were able to walk. What was that like? I've been I had been sitting for eighteen years, eighteen years, and to be able to stand up in one powerful moment and look at the world from a different perspective, to look at someone eye to eye 
and not up at their nostrils or at their belly buttons, to be able to have a delicious heart-to-heart hug. When someone hugs me in the wheelchair, there's there's something, it's, it's, there's a disconnect. Mm. To hug standing up and to look across the room at the tops of things. But then, then to take a step and to feel, even though I was in a robot, Ben, the robot took my paralyzed body and helped me move through space over ground with my knees bending and I could feel my body shifting its weight, planting the foot firmly on the ground and then taking another step. And when I knew that I could determine the course that I wanted to go and the direction, I could walk anywhere. And there was such magnificence and beauty in that moment. It lives with me to this day. What, what, what's the future like for exoskeletons? I mean, how far can you, how, how often would you wear one? Um, is there, are we reaching a point where you may always be able to wear one and just go down to the local store? I mean, what, what level are they at at the moment? I still feel like they're very much rehabilitative um, and to help someone get back to walking, get back to being upright, to move their body through space, to have the world going by you and to get that proprioceptive feedback. Uh, It helps with mental clarity and a whole lot of things in your body. But to have it become a daily um, tool, that's a dream. And I I imagine the transformer where it could just, I could be in my wheelchair and it would just power me up and and transform into a robot and I could go walking. I I still feel like we're quite a long ways away from that. It's kind of like stem cell therapy. Um, I feel like, you know, we're on the precipice. Uh, We're in this new era of technology. and, And like I said before, celebrating human human ingenuity to um, to enable someone to live a better quality of life, yet to have it be a daily thing. There are exoskeletons out there all over the world that are being manufactured to help us walk outside over uneven terrain in our own shoes, to walk up steps and up slopes and down hills. But to have it a daily uh, tool that we could use, um, it's, we're still a, a ways away. More of our conversation right after this. Bridging Bionics, and I've seen some incredible videos, by the way, of the vast, incredible, different kind of people who come to you and how you help them out. And actually, people should go and look at the videos on that website. And, uh, and by the way, they should all uh, donate money, uh, of course, to Bridging Bionics, because you're absolutely amazing what you do. But... You must also be one of the people who comes, one of the first people to speak to newly paralyzed people or people who have recently had, you know, uh, accidents like this. And I wonder what that's like Like, when you speak to someone who's just gone through something like this and and they are that very beginning. What do you tell them? What do you talk to them about? How do you will them on? 
Well, it, again, it's a balance. I've done that and I've actually, people in our community, Mackenzie Langley, uh, who was paralyzed when she was 16 from a car accident, she's just gone on to create, she's amazing. Um, she's gone on to create her own business and um, a nonprofit. And, but I went down to her hospital room and I met her when she was just newly injured. I've done it with several individuals in our program and to somehow let them know that life goes on. And I think, but I think there's, I've taken a step back. I, I feel like there's, there's, you've got to allow for time for healing uh, to take place and for that mental um to to kind of catch up with the physical yet with our program what i love the most of course is getting someone who's newly injured and to give them that element of hope and to say okay let's see you're in this critical window of neuro recovery and let's see how far we can take it with you and to give you that opportunity to stand up and to move your body and to try so many different interventions so that we could give the body maximum optimal potential to recover um, and for that neuroplasticity to kick in and to remember it's all there it's in our cells and we just have to tap into that and allow the body to move. And so that's what we do. And um, and we've seen some, because of enabling individuals in our community to have access to ongoing physical therapy, and that's, that's what's unusual about our program. We've seen recovery, a neuro recovery take place, but with our healthcare system in the United States, private insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, they cover 16 sessions or eight weeks of physical therapy. And then they say, okay, go home to your community and get on with life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are here into perpetuity. People are in our program. We've had people in our program for eight years and we're still seeing recovery. Tim Burr, who was paralyzed in the backcountry skiing as an, a cervical spinal cord injury, he's gone on to create his own nonprofit, giving back to others called Return to Dirt. And he, this kid is phenomenal, but he, all he wanted to do was drive again. And now he can drive again. He's got return of his biceps, his triceps. Um, he can transfer on his own. And we're still seeing progress after eight years. So neuro recovery is really slow, but we celebrate every incremental movement that comes back. Mm. What is missing the most? Like, what, what is there a big change that needs to happen, either at governmental level or you know, societal level, that, that you think would really help help move this forward? I think uh, a medical system. <laughs> you know, I, I've always said, you know, don't settle for life as it is. Become the CEO of your own health care. Step in. Take charge. 
Look for new interventions and technologies out there. And be hopeful. There's reason to be hopeful. And so I feel like, um, you know, through Bridging Barnicks, yes, we're a charitable organization. Um, we depend on donations. And because we're literally giving the gift of mobility, we fund it. Uh, every physical therapist gets paid full transparency, $75 an hour for their time. And then we then we'll calculate that and we're already into the millions. We've gifted more than 18,000 physical therapy sessions to our athletes in our program. And so I, I feel like if, if individuals have an opportunity to keep moving their bodies and to not just go home and sit, but to dwell, dwell in possibility and, uh, to stand up and to stand up for themselves, to use that metaphor. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, thank you for all the good you do for so many different people. Uh, and again, if anyone's listening, you know, Bridging Bionics, look them up on the internet. Uh, you are really helping to save lives, young and old, um, you know, across the whole spectrum. So Amanda, thank you for speaking to me today. It's been a great honor. I really thank you and I applaud you. And, you know, I, we all have a little bit of hero within each of us. I, I feel like a hero, the definition is the intersection of the ordinary and the extraordinary. Mm. And uh, it's we all have that within us. We're all heroes. Yeah. And we can tap into that too. And you're a shining example. So thank uh, you. And well, it's, it's been the greatest joy about doing this podcast is meeting so many of them. And you realize how many are out there, how many people are heroes, people in every single community. It's what makes us so strong. So, you know. Um, that everyone... comes back to uh, to kindness, I think, and to giving back, serving and um, and love, love for one another. And uh, that's the bottom line. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. In many ways, that was quite a personal interview for me because I think Amanda really described well what it's like to go through you know, those kind of injuries, uh, things and injuries that are with you for life. And she was very open, and I think we all have to be open that this is, you know, she's going through something that will forever be difficult, and it's about learning how to live with that, but not just learning how to live with that, what she really displayed best was that you take that and you spread on all the goodness and the hope to other people. And she's done that herself and that she's done it as part of a community by working together. And as she said, right at the end there, when you take everything else away, we can talk about the discomfort. We can talk about the exoskeletons or the wheelchairs or how people want, might look at you or what is difficult in your life. All of that. All of that is secondary to the kindness and the community of others. Um, and, and I've heard a few people say that when they are going through some of the hardest times, it is often by helping other people that it makes them feel better. Uh, and so don't think for a second that, you know, by helping someone in a little way, that doesn't help them a lot. So, you know, just for today, go out, help anyone you see who needs help. Be reminded that it helps them in such a great way. And that's just someone who might be trying to 
who might need help crossing the road, or it might be someone who needs help in a wheelchair, whatever it is, that's going to help in a great way. And if you have a chance, go and look at some of the videos from Bridging Bionics. You see some of the most incredible, uplifting videos of people walking for the first time, that look in their eyes as they realize that there are no holds for them, that they can go on and do anything. And that's perhaps what a technology is also now giving back into recovery. So we are in the breaking stages of of new technology and AI, and it is going to help a lot, but it's going to do so because so many people want to help it as well. Um, so thank you so much for listening today. Uh, what a great pleasure uh, that was for me, and I, I hope it was for you as well. Thanks for listening to Searching for Heroes. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.